If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 503. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back in the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. This is B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address. I'll give you a free ebook for Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com. Always free to enroll. You can go to brianmclanahan.com, click on that support tab, throw a few pennies my way, get a book plate. You can go to Learn True, T-R-U-E, learntruehistory.com. You can click on the shop tab at brianmclanahan.com. You can do, you can buy one of my books. There's all kinds of ways to support the show. One of the great ways to support the show, though, of course, is share it around on social media, rate it where you get your podcasts, let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally. That is how we spread the word and expand our reach. So I appreciate every time one of you does that. Of course, this is episode, uh, we're at episode 503 here. So we just passed the 500 episode mark, and that's really amazing. I mean, this has been a long journey. Again, hopefully there's a lot more. We need more people thinking locally and acting locally. And um, that's because the principles which we talk about are difficult to get most Americans on board with. And what do I mean by that? Well, I mean, it's not really if you think about what needs... I think COVID has done a lot to this because people are starting to recognize that their real powers in their local communities. That's where they have the power. We're seeing the powers of the states and the federal government. All this is on display. I've, I've talked about that recently. But if you look at the problems with decentralization, you've got, and I mentioned this in yesterday's podcast with, with the Claremont Institute, preaching this Lincolnian nationalism. Both the left and the right believe in it. They believe in it fundamentally. And when you have that, when you start really talking about decentralization, it's, it's hard to get people on board with that because they've been taught for so many years that the union is indissolvable. This is where you take the Pledge of Allegiance. One nation, indivisible. You've been taught that your entire life. We have this political community that can never be dissolved. Uh, one nation that can never be dissolved. Well, all that's just complete hogwash. I mean, it's not true. Never has been true. It's, as we talked about yesterday with Jefferson, he wouldn't have agreed with that at all. If you just look at what he wrote, he wouldn't have agreed with that. Now, Jefferson made statements that would have been anti-secession. You can say that. But he also you know, looked at other things. I think there's a lot of ways to read Jefferson. But he wouldn't have agreed that a political entity cannot be dissolved, particularly if it gets oppressive and it starts doing things that are unconstitutional, like having the CDC issue a moratorium on evictions. So a couple of weeks ago, I had a podcast on uh, this is an impeachable offense. This is, this is the one, I mean, if you want to say this is it, you've just got Biden 
not upholding his oath of office. That would be it. I mean, all the other stuff, and I can make a case he's done this over and over again, simply by signing bad legislation, issuing unconstitutional executive orders, all of that. But here we had a clear indication that Joe Biden knowingly and openly violated his oath of office and by doing so violated the Constitution. That is his one job, to uphold, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Just one job in reality, of course, to act as the head of state when it comes to foreign affairs, but even there, his powers are circumscribed by the Constitution. The one job he has is to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States. And he didn't do it by allowing the CDC to continue to issue an eviction moratorium. Now, the Supreme Court, now you're getting this on Tuesday... The Supreme Court, uh, Tuesday, August 31st, the Supreme Court has said in last week that that eviction moratorium is unconstitutional. Six to three decision. They, I mean, they said, look, we're striking this thing down. Like, you can't do this. You can't enforce an unconstitutional order. And they had essentially said this before, but because it was going to expire in July, and I've gone over this on this podcast before, because it's going to expire in July... Uh, we're just going to let it go because it's only a couple of weeks. Just let it go. The money's there. Just do what you got to do, and then it's over. And then it's over. But the piece I'm going to read is from NBC News. And when you look at what the three dissenting judges, these are the left-wingers on the court, who are also, by this very the very statements they're making here, should be impeached for this as well. They should be removed from the bench for making partisan statements on the bench. We know this is all about politics. This is about them believing that the left is doing the right thing. And they say it. They say it. Of course, Breyer, if you go out and look at social media, let me just read you a social media post. Mondaire Jones, who of course is in Congress, has Justice Breyer succeeded in depoliticizing the court yet? Almost like he's thinking that the court, this ruling is completely political. It's completely political. Now, Mondaire Jones is a moron. Quite simply. And he's responding to a post from Mark Joseph Stern who writes at the Slate on legal matters, who's also a moron. But the fact is, and if you look at what people said, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, just hundreds of comments under this calling for packing the court. They're not using that term anymore. It's expanding the court now. Because they know packing the court is, I mean, that's going to come with all kinds of nasty connotations. So it's not, we're not packing it. We're just simply expanding the court. This is what the left does. And they don't think anybody knows that they're, oh, well, well, we'll change it. We'll just change it. We'll just change the language. We're just expanding. They don't, they don't, they think that everyone in real America is so stupid, they can't get how stupid they really are. Leftists are. It's, it's a mental disorder. It really is. It's a mental, mental disorder. 
So now it's expand the court. Expand the court. The sad thing is that the language they use often can gets put into the American lexicon because you've got, I saw a, a tweet the other day that complaining, well, the right has all these media accounts like Fox News and all this stuff to verify what they're doing, but on the left, we have nobody. Are you serious? You have nobody? The entire establishment media is on your side. You have nobody. You control both houses of Congress. Got nobody. Ain't nobody out there supporting us. Nope. Nobody. Okay. The entire educational establishment essentially is on your side. A few outliers here and there. But the whole thing is on your side. Maybe when you do something stupid, illegal, unjust, unconstitutional, and downright idiotic, they aren't going to be on your side. Because it's blatant that you're doing it. But, oh, no, these people just don't like us. So let's get into this. All right, I want to read this piece from NBC News. Title, headline, Supreme Court blocks Biden administration's eviction moratorium. Quote, Congress never gave the CDC the staggering amount of power it claims, a group of landlords argued. Well, that's because it's true. <laughs> it's not just a group of landlords. It's what the court said. Yeah, that's true. They never did. And you know what? Uh, even if Congress had given it, given it to the CDC, it's still unconstitutional. Just because they gave it to somebody doesn't mean it's constitutional. They can give all kinds of powers to things that would be unconstitutional. It doesn't mean they have the authority to do it. This, this thing was illegal from the beginning. For the federal government to say that anybody can't evict someone, that's an infringement of the right of contract and property. You can't do that. I, I think even John Marshall would have said this is stupid. And I talked about Marshall yesterday. Even John Marshall would have said, you know what? You're violating the rights of contract. If I form a contract, well, then I have to abide by that contract. And if you don't, then you don't really have a contract. That's just arbitrary. So you join, you sign up for a lease, you have to abide by the terms of the lease that you sign. That means you pay money every month to live there. And the landlord then has certain rights and responsibilities as well. Just as you have rights and responsibilities, but you're paying money to live in their property. It's theirs. It's not yours. And if you don't pay, they should have a right to boot you out if you're not paying. It's that simple. And yes, this can be hard sometimes. And yes, people lose houses because they can't afford to pay. And all these other things. And these leases are sometimes difficult. But the fact is, this is a contract. Just like the Constitution is a contract. It's a compact between states. And if one state violates the compact, the Supreme Court is supposed to come in. At least this was argued. And and save the day, right? Or you just say, we're, I mean, if the Supreme Court doesn't, well, then we have a right. The compact is then broken, and we're out. If you breach the compact, you're out. This is by Pete Williams. The Supreme Court late Thursday blocked the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention from enforcing the federal moratorium on eviction renters during the coronavirus pandemic. A defeat for the Biden administration's effort to continue the moratorium, even though the court has signaled that the action lacked the proper legal basis. 
um, well, the court had said it's unconstitutional, but Kavanaugh, we're going to let it go for a couple more weeks, and then you got to stop. This was Trump's eviction moratorium, which then Biden picked up, and uh, Thomas Massey said it best. It was all unconstitutional from the beginning. It was unconstitutional. You couldn't do any of this. The current moratorium, which was imposed in early August, had been due to expire in early October. It was challenged by a group of landlords who argued that the CDC had no authority to impose such a restriction on its own. They said the country's landlords have been losing as much as $19 billion a month. Congress never gave the CDC the staggering amount of power it claims, the landlords argued in their filing in the Supreme Court. In an unsigned opinion, six justices agreed. Well, I mean, they did the right thing here. These six justices followed the law and said this law is unconstitutional. It's not really even a law. This edict is unconstitutional. There's no, there's no power for this anywhere in the Constitution. And so it's gone. So now they're going to begin to evict people who didn't pay their rent. Now, we can look at the humanitarian cost of this. I understand this can be great. There are people that were irresponsible that didn't pay their their. Uh, lease, then pay their rent. And the collateral damage, of course, will be children and other people who, who are innocent victims in this, who simply have no place to live because their parents were screw-ups, right? Or, I mean, because a lot of money has been given out. Look, the general government is sending out checks every single month now, and they've given out a lot of money to people. We know there are millions of jobs that nobody goes and works anymore. People could work. They just won't do it. So all the whining and boohooing, the economy is back open again. Almost, I mean, look, I know there are states talking about shutting down this. The economy is back open. There are jobs. Go get a job, right? And go start paying your rent. Don't force your children out on the streets. I mean, these are, these are hard things. That's the collateral damage. So we can look at the humanitarian costs in this, of course, could be high. But on the other hand, most landlords are not millionaires sitting around just you know, uh, flying around jet setting everywhere. Most landlords are, you know, they might have a house or two that they're renting out uh, and they've still had to make the mortgage payments. They still had to make those payments. A lot of people don't own those properties outright. So if you're not making your, your rent payment, well, they're losing money too. This is the this is the uh, the risk for a lot of people in renting their properties. They still have to pay these things off. It would be one thing if Congress had specifically authorized the action that the CDC has taken, but that has not happened. They wrote, instead, the CDC has imposed a nationwide moratorium on evictions in reliance on a decades-old statute that authorizes it to implement. Measures like fumigation and pest extermination. Is that even constitutional? I mean, I wonder if that's not even constitutional. The opinion added, it strains credulity to believe that this statute grants the CDC the sweeping authority that it asserts. Well, of course. But Biden said he's going to do it anyways. He vi openly violated a Supreme Court decision back in July and... and and issued uh, an edict that was completely unconstitutional. The White House said the Biden administration was 
disappointed, quote, disappointed that the Supreme Court has blocked the most recent CDC eviction moratorium, while confirmed cases of the Delta variant are significant across the country. As a result of this ruling, families will face the painful impact of evictions, and communities across the country will face a greater risk of exposure to COVID-19. Okay, but you have to follow the law. This is your job. The Biden administration is disappointed. For what? For the law that, there's, that they swears to uphold and defend? That you even acknowledged at, the, at a podium? Well, I don't think it's constitutional, but we're going to do it anyways. Well, where's the rule of law? Representative Cory Bush, Democrat, Missouri, whose eviction protests on the Capitol steps captured national attention. It shouldn't have because it was completely stupid. Tweeted that the fight will continue. Tweeted. The left really believes that the world exists on Twitter. And Twitter is dominated by leftists who are a bunch of idiots. And so it's fun to go on there and see the stupid stuff that they post. I mean, these people are really mentally imbalanced. But regardless, uh, we have Cory Bush. I, 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 mean, I looked at some of the stuff. It was just completely stupid. We were outside the Capitol for five days. Rain, heat, cold. I don't know how cold it was then. Was it cold in D.C.? I don't think so. Cory Bush doesn't really have much between her ears anyways. But uh, my memory serves me correct. This was in the summer. So how cold was it? If they think the partisan ruling is going to stop us from fighting to keep people housed, they're wrong. Congress needs to act immediately for every every unhoused or soon-to-be-unhoused person in our districts. That was a sentence fragment, by the way. Congress imposed the first moratorium on evictions in March 2020 as part of the first coronavirus stimulus bill, the CARES Act. When that expired, the CDC issued a moratorium of its own at the direction of President Donald Trump, which was extended through the end of July. Acting a lawsuit brought by the landlords, members of the Supreme Court declined to block it in June, but signaled their concerns. Four justices said they would have granted the request to block the moratorium. Brett Kavanaugh said he would have too, but decided not to because at the point at that point in late June, so I, I couldn't remember if it was June or July, it was to have lasted only a few more weeks. He said only Congress can impose such a nationwide moratorium. Well, this is not true. They, Congress can't even do this. They don't have the power to do it either. But he, his out is, well, I mean, if Congress did this, then we'd have to really consider it. But because it's the CDC, there's no, there's nothing here. What should have been up for discussion is, was the first moratorium in the CARES Act even constitutional? Well, I think Kavanaugh is kind of signaling he would have thought it would be. How? How? Where is that power in Article 1, Section 8? I don't see it. Is it there? No. President Joe Biden said at first that the court's concerns meant the government did not have the authority to issue a new moratorium. He was right about that. But under pressure from Democrats... So under political pressure, under pressure from Cory Bush crying on the steps of the Capitol, he directed the CDC to issue another one anyway this month, arguing that the new version was different because it applied only in counties with high rates of coronavirus transmission. It's not different. They don't have the power to do it.
Justice Department lawyers told the Supreme Court that the trajectory of the pandemic had changed unexpectedly, dramatically, and for the worse after the court weighed in on the issue in June. The seven-day average of daily new cases recently stood at more than 130,000, a nearly tenfold increase from the previous month. So their whole point is, well, because we've got this thing, we don't care if it's legal or not. We just got to do something. That's the Justice Department's argument? Well, it's probably not legal, but we got to do something anyways because cases are up. That becomes rule of men, not rule of law. If you have laws and you have structure, well, then you can't do it. Now, the states could do whatever they want. Yes, I mean, the states could go out and say, well, we're going to do this. But again, can the states impair the right of contract? I think Marshall would even say no. This is Dartmouth, Dartmouth College case. They would, he would say no the first time this was brought up. So can the states even do that? These are contracts we're talking about between people signed. These are signed contracts with a beginning and end date. They last for a year or six months or three months, whatever you sign up, a month to month, whatever it is. You could say there's a month to month. But in that particular case, if you don't pay your rent, they're going to kick you out. The court's three liberals, Stephen Breyer, Sonia Sotomayor, and Elena Kagan, dissented from Thursday's order. Of course they did. While individual landlords said they have lost thousands of dollars in rental income, Congress has appropriated more than $46.5 billion to help pay back rent, Breyer said, writing for the three. Thousands and thousands? I mean, it's been said billions. Not thousands and thousands, but billions of dollars every month. $46.5 billion? Probably doesn't cover even close to it what people have lost in all of this. Compare that injury to the irreparable harm from blocking the moratorium with coronavirus transmissions right spiking, he said. This is not about the law, then. The Supreme Court is there, theoretically, to ensure that the law of the United States is upheld or it's unconstitutional. This is not about the law. or The Constitution is upheld or it's unconstitutional. This is not about the law. This is about politics. This is about uh, something bigger to them than the law, which is protecting their political base. If the law is unconstitutional, it's unconstitutional. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean that that's where it stops. It stops right there. That's what that's what the court was sold on to the states. I mean, you go back and you look at the ratifying debates, which of course. I cover in my originalist papers, 101 essays in defense of the Constitution. That is still on sale if you're getting this. It won't be forever, but it is on sale right now. We're at the end of August. We're st I'm still running it for just a few more days. In fact, that sale is going to run through Labor Day, and that's it. You've only got a few days left to get that thing on sale. Originalist papers, if you look at how they argued the Supreme Court, what the powers would have, its primary job was to ensure those that supported this idea that the Constitution was upheld. And in this particular case, we know it's not. We know that the court is not doing its job. This is all about politics. The question of the CDC's authority is an important one and should not be dealt with in such a summary fashion, especially given how little we may presume to know about the course of this pandemic, he wrote. So, uh, what is more important, politics is more important, really, 
than the law. Now, the last paragraph is beautiful because it already shows what federalism really is. A half dozen states have eviction moratoriums that are not affected by the Supreme Court's action. California, Minnesota, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, and Washington. The District of Columbia also has a local moratorium. So those states did what states can do, theoretically, unless, I mean, I think you could argue this violates Article 1, Section 10 of the Constitution. Well, not impair contracts, but... Um, the, the fact is, these states have already gone out and done... If the state wants to do it, then fine. But the general government has no authority here. We can talk about this in the state terms or federal terms. The real issue is federal power. You want to live in a state that can do that? Move to California, Minnesota, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, and Washington. Now, two of those states, California and New York, are the two largest states in the United States in terms of what the cities to have largest urban areas in the United States. And so I'm sure there's a lot of renters in those states that are already protected by the state. They're not going to be thrown out. New Jersey's lumped in there with New York. You've got other areas, of course, with large cities. But those are the big ones. New York, Los Angeles. So those people in those areas are protected. Already by state law. So this has nothing to do with those states. But the fact is, uh, that's another question in itself. The Supreme Court did the right thing here. They upheld the Constitution. That's what they're supposed to do. Joe Biden was on the wrong side of this legally. He should be impeached for that without any question. The Afghanistan stuff aside and everything's happening there and all the other things we've talked about, this was clearly an impeachable offense. And the Supreme Court did the right thing. All nine, it's, it's a sad commentary on America that three judges actually dissented in this case. They dissented. It shows you what the, the left doesn't care about the Constitution at all. It's just an obstacle to whatever they want. They don't really care about it. This should have been a 9 nothing decision. It should have been a 9 nothing decision, and the three judges that dissented here should all be impeached and removed from the bench for a partisan ruling. Not based on the law. Breyer's dissent is not based on the law. It's based on his opinion of the pandemic. That's not the law. Sotomayor and Kagan should also be removed from the bench for this particular reason alone. Let's talk about unpacking the court and reducing the size of the court. Republicans should say that. Hey, you know what we should do? We should impeach Biden, we should impeach Sotomayor, we should impeach Kagan, we should impeach Breyer, and then we'll remove those three jerks from the court. We'll just say we're going down to six judges. And that's it. We're going down to six. You can play their game too. I mean, all this is a game, right? It's all a game. We can re we're going to remove the appellate jurisdiction. We're going to take that all away from, from the Ninth Circuit. We're going to get rid of these circuit courts, and all this is going to go back to the Supreme Court. Take out all the circuit courts. See ya. You're gone. Your jobs are abolished. Go get a job somewhere else. They could abolish, they, they, could, they could reduce the number of judges on there now and then get rid of the ones that are there. I mean, impeach them. Or they could say when J Stephen Breyer retires, we're not having another appointment. You don't get to appoint anybody else. Play the, play the left's game. Now, Americans would not necessarily be on board with that. I mean, I, I think overall they wouldn't, but regardless. 
this is this is why the court is completely political, and all these individuals that like uh, you know Mondaire Jones, well, Breyer's not making it political. Like only the right is political here. These other three are also political. It's all political. It always will be. From now till time immemorial, because of the nature of the court and what it's become. This is why we need decentralization. All right. I'll see you next time on the Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.